So, how do we get AI right? Well, we need the right volume of data and massive compute power. But with HPE GreenLake, we get access to supercomputing to power AI at the scale we need. Right. Search HPE GreenLake. Okay, so I'm really excited today because I have wanted to say this for a really long time, but this episode is taped in front of a live studio audience. And I'm really, really happy to have Elizabeth de Vivier as my first live, live and in-person guest. Well, we've, we've done live with me, with the guests before, but never with all of you here. So we do have live listeners, so we will hopefully, if they're feeling brave, have some questions after our conversation at the end. But first, um, I wanted to talk to Elizabeth about her debut novel, Stories from My Sister, which we have for sale here at this event. Yeah, it's, it's going fast, going fast. So, Elizabeth, I wanted to talk to you first about, we spoke a little bit about the book before, and one thing that you said to me that stood out was you had this feeling, this story came to me, and I just, I had this idea about these two sisters, and I had to write this story. And since you hadn't planned to write a novel, from what I understood, I wanted to hear more about what happened how the story came to you, and why you knew you had to write it. Sure. So I had a book I was working on. It was a memoir, and that was what I was planning on focusing on the summer that I started writing this book. So a few months before, this was a year ago, February, I was in San Diego visiting my niece, and I had set up my house at home. I live in Providence, so on the other coast, and I had a writing room, very very clear writing room, desk, chair, super taskmaster organized the way you write a book, right? I'm super, super disciplined. And I was going to go home and work on that. And so I'm in San Diego, and in comes this story, and which happens if you're a writer, you know what that's like. And I just went, no, oh, no, 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 I'm not writing a novel, find somebody else. And it came again, and I was like, listen, I've written novels, you've broken my heart, I'm not doing it, so find somebody else. And like the third time it came in, I was like, you kind of know, like, if you don't take it, you're going to. So I was like, and and so at that time, I just had my phone and my voice recorder. And if you listened, you never will. But if you did, the very first ones, I'm like this, fine, just so you know, I'm taking the notes, but I'm not writing this book. And so the first notes were there were two sisters, there was an age difference, and one of them was very sick. That's all I knew. I didn't know which was sick. I didn't know anything going on like that. And so from that February until June, the pieces were falling in, you know, the pieces falling in about the, sis, the mother and different things. And I would just record them. And eventually I took them from my phone and from my notes. And I just had a big file on my drive on my computer. And I just had all these notes. And again, I had no intention of writing this book. I, I'm not joking. I had a book I'd already started working on at an artist residency the summer before. It was a memoir. I was very committed to it because I'd gotten going. And if you know what that's like, once you start going, you're like, and my dog died, and I had to come back from the residency. And then life went on. I have a busy job. And so um, I was very committed that that's what I was going back to. So in June, I had this holiday planned up in Prince Edward County of Canada, not Prince Edward Island, but over near Toronto. And it was a holiday. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll start the book when I get home to my writing desk and my writing office, as writers do. And um, it was just this lovely week and very much like Susanna's house. It's just super peaceful sanctuary. And I had the whole day to myself. So I was like, I'm just going to play with those notes, right? And in playing with those notes, all of a sudden I was like, it's four o'clock, I better go get some food. And then I came back and then I was like, oh my God, it's midnight. And that went on all week. Like it just started going and it was fun. It was the most fun. So from that June until December, I was writing this book. And Tracy's here, a friend of mine who got me to go to Greece, another trip that had been planned years ahead. 
And, um, but I had three weeks in Greece, and there's absolutely nothing on this island. And when I say there's, there's tavernas and beaches, nothing on this island. It's like your heaven for that drop away. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no distraction. And um, I got a huge amount done there. And um, so all I can say is from June to December, I can say hands down it was the happiest time of my life. Like I had, and there was no one there. Like you weren't all there with me. It's like I actually love that, that process of writing. I love. And so the novel piece, I think I just got, eventually I got over my resistance to it of the heartbreak piece. I just felt so clearly that it wasn't my idea. It, I had no ego investment in it. It wanted to be written. So I was like, okay, then you have a plan. I'll be your vehicle. That's kind of how I felt about it. I'm very woo-woo. I'll say that right up front. So, well, I have to ask. You said I've written novels before and they've broken my heart. Yes. I mean, I can't just leave that. Oh, okay. So what, what happened? Did you try to write them and they didn't work out? or I didn't have the self-confidence and the self-esteem. So I was hardcore writer in my 20s. Well, I was a hardcore writer my whole life, but in my 20s was like at Bread Loaf and doing all the things you do to go on the publishing track, write short stories, get published. Um, but I did not have the confidence and self-esteem, so my professors could support me and people could support me. Um, but if you don't have it within yourself, you're always going to sabotage yourself, in my experience. And so my best example, which is one example of how I approach things, was I was writing for a magazine at the time. I had a really amazing experience where I knew I had a book. It was, it was nonfiction, but it was a really cool book about how women were breaking into the top tiers of technology and engineering companies. And so I won't take you through the whole thing, but it, I had... For a 3,000-word article, I'd done over 25 hours of... And people were calling me from HP and from Lucent and from um, Aerospace. And, like, I heard you doing a, an article about women in technology. I really want to tell you my story. So I just had all this stuff. And I was like, oh, this is a book. So I put together a book proposal called Busting Glass. And I sent it out to 10 agents. And four of them wrote me back, which is really incredible odds. Really incredible odds. And I wrote back to each of the four women and said, not a really good idea. I'm sorry I bothered you for your time. Like, I was in a panic attack when they did that. So that's my best example. And that was in my early 30s. So that's my best example of every time I had something, um, I shut myself down. So, um, yeah, I've written screenplays. I have three novels that I now feel like I'd like to go back and look at at this time now that I have the confidence. But um, that was what cut it. So. so what do you think was different this time? Confidence. Yeah. Well, yeah. what, I mean, I know you don't just get confidence in 20 minutes and you like went on a little walk and said, now we'll do the confidence oh, thing. No. It's a, that's been my life process. That's been my life process is to, you know, we all have our things that we work on. Mine's definitely been on um, owning that, owning your choices in your life. I guess. I don't know how else to say self-esteem and self-confidence. I'm hoping you guys will speak up at the end of this and be like, I have something to say about that. Mm -hmm. But um, that's been my issue. So, um, so what's been different is, well, in my 20s and my 30s, I wanted to be a writer as a career and a profession. So then you're writing commercially. You have to sell it. It has to be palatable. You have to have a publisher. You have to do all these things. And so the difference for me with this is I have a job, I have an income, and I know totally how to make the book. The book's around here somewhere, but it's a beautiful book. I worked, the graphic design was done by a professor of, at RISD, and I live in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, the printing was done in the United States in a family-owned printer that uses um, soy-based inks and is really environmentally friendly. So all these things matter to me. It's a th third-generation printer. You know, they have 40 people on, in their company. So... Those are things that I love. It wasn't printed in China on the cheapest amount of paper. And just like the elements of um, making choices around the book was super satisfying. And I knew I could do it. So, and I didn't need it to be commercially successful, if that makes sense. So the difference is I could write the book I wanted to write. I definitely had people whose opinions I so trust read the book because I did not want to publish something that was just like, oh, 
you know, like, could have used a couple more edits there. You know, I really needed it to be of, of a quality. And so um, I definitely had those filters in place. But once I had a book that I felt was like, no, that's a good book. That's good enough. I was ready to go with it. So I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I think a big point is the how much of our identity gets wrapped up in the process of creating the book. Like, I think with writing sometimes, it's, it becomes so personal. Like, am I capable of doing this? Am I the kind of person who can get this thing done? And if we don't have room for ourselves as people who can write a book, I think a lot of identity stuff comes up as you're in the process of writing, for oh, sure. So then that would be the difference. Yeah. This, isn't my, this is not in any way autobiographical. Um, I didn't come up with the idea. The idea found me. So I think that was a freedom. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any personal investment in it. Um, and I'm also older. You know, it's like I've had a life. There are so many wonderful, wonderful, wonderful books on the New York Times bestseller list that I don't like. Do you know what I mean? So it's really okay if someone doesn't like my book because there are books I don't like and there are books that I love. And so I don't have that. I think when you're, when I was younger, it was like, you know, self-confidence and self-esteem, right? So it's like if someone, my best friend was like, I just really couldn't relate to the characters. I was like, okay. Like, I totally can see that. But it wasn't like a, you know, it's just like, yeah, I can see how you would, you wouldn't, this isn't your genre. You don't like this kind of book. So I think it comes to self, for me, the difference is, I don't, I'm not invested in it. I wanted to make sure it was as good as I could make it with the skill set that I have, tapping on the resources around me. Um, and then once it was there, it was like, it's good enough. Like I wasn't trying to write the great American novel. Like I don't have any of that going on. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think it's interesting too, because, um, well, we, we had a tiny conversation about this and then we had forbidden ourselves from discussing the book before recording this so that we don't have this oh remember that thing you said let's say that again we did not do that we haven't talked about it at all but we said maybe something to talk about is the fact that the difference between kind of a plot driven novel and a character driven novel where you know, you see in literary fiction, there's a lot more emphasis on character development and character. And then you'll see these kind of pacey, plot-driven thriller types. And yours is obviously in the literary character-driven process. So I'm interested in how did you get to know these characters as you were writing about them? Because they mm. all, to me, whether or not you find them likable or relatable, they felt completely real to mm. me. So That's I'm wondering, cool. how did you build that relationship with them as you... As you wrote about them. Um, in the actual writing of the scenes, when I describe sitting in the bed in June in this place called um, Picton in uh, Prince Edward County, and then I went to Montreal, and I was there for five days, again, on a bed, writing, um, and then in Greece, sitting there writing. So I was just sitting on a bed, my perfect desk, and never sat at it. So there you go. Um, because it was flowing. I didn't need a taskmaster. I didn't need someone cracking the whip. It was, it was like I couldn't wait to get back to it. So it was joyful. Um, so in terms of the characters, it was in writing the scenes that I got to know them more. I was very concerned that Mona would not be at all likable. For those of you who haven't read the book, which I'm assuming is most of you, um, there are two sisters. One's a lot older than the other. And the younger sister, when you first meet her, is just the kind of person everyone wants to leave the room. She's just difficult, right? But I ended up finding out why she was so difficult. So, um, and B, who I think I had more affinity for as I was writing the whole book, um, when Janet, who's her mother, kind of schools her on like, because the whole time B's like, well, my mom wasn't this, and my mom wasn't that, and my mom wasn't this. And you're like, yeah, man, you had it tough. And then her mother just sort of sits her down and says, well, let me just tell you, you know, what you didn't see in that picture. And I've had people come up to me who've read the book, and they're like, oh, my God, I thought Janet was the worst until the end. And then I was like, I was only looking at her through her daughter's eyes. And you're like, mm-hmm. So I think that's how they revealed themselves to me in the actions of what they said and they did. 
like there were surprises for me with B. I mean, B is one of the most confident, self-contained people I've ever met. And she's not real, but in like in my world, she's met. Like the way she just does things, she's like, oh, I'll just go to California or I'll just leave this job. Or like, you know, she's working in a very male computer company and there's all these guys doing things the way they're doing it. And her boss is like, why aren't you doing that too? And she's like, because I don't think it's a good idea. Like that kind of, I just was dazzled by that. I was like, like, where did that come from, you know? So I'm not answering your question, but no, I discover them in this, just like you reading them, mm-hmm. I discover them. I think the only difference is I didn't write it chronologically. It all was in pieces all over the place. So I was actually in Greece in the first week of October, and I had about 320 pages or so. So I had most of the story. I knew most of the story. I had like three or four more chapters to write, but I knew what I had to write. Like I knew the sequences of what I had to do. I had no idea how this was going to come into a, like a linear narrative, like at all. It felt like, and then this is a repeated thing because I said this to Susanna the other night, but in that um, fairy tale, the miller's daughter, where she comes into the room and her task is to sort like the millet from the peas, from the lentils, from the rice. And she's like, I can never do it. Um, that's what it felt like. I was like, how am I going to put these pieces together? So it's not like I got to know them the way you get to know them reading it, but that's how I got to know them is just by watching what they were doing and being like, I don't know. So, so you just followed them. I followed them. Yeah. Yeah, I followed them. I had no pre, they did not arrive fully done. Like they developed, they sort of came into view. They just kept coming more into view even though it wasn't visual, but yeah. Did you find that as you got to know them better and you were going further into the book and you had more of this material and you're in this place where everything's spread out and you don't know how you're going to sort it out, was the material that you wrote later, did they feel different than they did at the beginning and then you had to adjust? Because I'm maybe projecting my own experience onto your book in that one. That's a really great question. I totally understand what you mean. And... No, I had to go back in once I had like what's going to be chapter one, like the first chapter of the book is actually the last chapter of the book. Um, So there's some really cool things that I did not realize until after I had a copy of the book. So months after I had looked at it. So like I finished it in March, went to the printers, I get a physical copy in like June. So I haven't I haven't actually read it in over six months. And I was like, you know what, I should probably just read this cover to cover and see what the experience is like. I discovered things that I couldn't possibly have planned. And I don't know how much I'm allowed to share without like giving away things. It's your event. um, So, yeah, you know, I've been getting a lot of, like I'll do different things on my next book. One of the things that I have been getting um, some real like, not beat up, but just like, you know, um, there's nothing on on the book. You're holding the book. It's like, there's no book jacket that says, this is about two two sisters and da da da, or, um, Susanna Conway said it's a great book and Karen Donahue says it's a great book like that was a very clear decision I made because personally I don't want anyone else's opinion I want to pick up a book and read the first couple pages and then I know and I've picked up books where everyone's like greatest book ever and I'm like yeah I'm not going to read that book so I made that as a conscious decision but as a um I understand that I'm different than the majority of human beings and people who love to read books want some information on the covers in the book jacket. So um, having said that, I feel like I can do some spoilers because um, you don't get any of that on the book. So for me, when I went back and read it, the, and this does answer your question in the sense of I had to, the first chapter is actually the last chapter of the book. And at the end of the book, um, Oh, all I was going to, I think I can't say it. Well, can I say it? I don't know if I'm going to ruin a read for someone, but I'm going to say it anyway, and, and maybe I'll regret this, and on my next book, I'll never do a book podcast again. But you know these two sisters right from the get-go. I'm not giving anything away. From the get-go, one of them's going to die. You just know it. That's the scene. She's, she's in the last 10 days of her life. They're together, and they have to process out their lifetime together. So that's not a giveaway. But what's fascinating to me that I did not realize until I read the book myself, in the first chapter, the sister has died. But in the last chapter, she's alive as she's never been alive before. And I was like, oh, my God. That was like, yeah. that killed me. <laughs> I didn't plan it. I didn't plan it. So um, so the things that I had to go back when I put it together 
Um, I had to do a lot of editing. Yeah. Um, and I had to do some connective tissue. So one of the pieces was the things that happened later in their lives as they were 20 years old or 20 in their 20s. Um, it wasn't as clear, like, why would they have done that? So I had to go back to earlier times in their life and give examples of, like, that's, those are the imprints on them. They got imprinted with abandonment issues or self-confidence issues or whatever. They didn't have either of those things. But, like, you know, whatever they had, it happened. You say, oh, that happened when she was 15. Oh, that happened when she was 16. So when she does something at 28, it makes sense to you. You're like, well, yeah, she's operating under that viewpoint of the world. Um, but no, I didn't have to change who they were particularly, mm. which I could have just said that when you asked that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then we wouldn't have gotten that whole journey. So I'm interested in what the editing process was like because you had this huge download. I have this visual of you on the bed with these big pieces doing some connective tissue saying, oh my God, I'm the Miller's daughter. I don't know how this is all going to come together. That was a really bad day. If any of you are <laughs> writers or artists or creatives, I want to share that with you. It was a really bad day. And I think it's the most normal part of creativity. So if you hit that wall, I just want you to go like, this is the normal part of creating anything. Knitting, sewing, making, it's the most normal part. So keep going, but yeah. Yeah, it's the part where you're like, uh, I call it like the trying to get a squid in a suit. It's like, that's how, because the book, I mean, the thing about a book that people don't think about is that the more you write, the bigger it is, and like the harder it is to hold it in your head as you're trying to put it into the structure. And it feels like a giant dead squid that you're trying to put in a suit. So I'm what, how did you put the squid in a suit? Like, how did it happen? Um, so I am all about getting help. It's one of my superpowers. I never hesitate to ask for help, ever, ever. I, like for the smallest things, like just tonight, I needed a pair of tights. I do know how to shop. I've bought tights before. I went right up to Caroline and I had her help me find the tights I needed. Like I just do it all the time. So I'm in Greece with no, no contact to anything. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and um, I was like, well, I can't be the only author that's ever had this experience. And I really like Elizabeth Strout, who does Olive Kittredge, if you've read that. So I started Googling YouTube interviews with Elizabeth Strout just to sort of get that, like, you know, vibe, whatever. And lo and behold, hand to God, someone asked her, have you ever had a hard moment in your writing? She said, oh, well, there's always this one moment when I have all the pieces on the table and I don't know how they're all going to get together. And it feels like catastrophe. I'm in Greece hearing it on my laptop going... Oh my God, that's what I needed to hear. And then she describes how she put it together. Or she just describes that it's part of the process. And whatever she said, her, I replayed it like 10 times and I wrote down her words and I taped it so I could keep seeing them. And then when I got home, I taped them to the wall. And that was like my guiding light through, like swimming the channel. Like just keep swimming. It's like you're doing okay. Like this is normal. You just have to figure out how they're going to go together. And... Um, I do think that's an area I could have done better. If, I had, if I'd wanted to spend more time with it, which I didn't, I want to get on to the next book, um, I would have gone back, like, chapter three, if you've read it, or if you end up reading it. Chapter three is, like, 90 pages. Like, nobody... And I knew it. I just was like, I don't want to go and, like, do all it would take to make that into three separate chapters. I just, I just didn't want to. I was like, you can just put a bookmark in it. You know, it's like, they can put a bookmark in it. But, like, going forward, I think I would do a little bit better by the reader. But, um, so I didn't squish it. So my squid has, like, an arm hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's something that, that people hit this point. I've definitely hit it. Where you feel like, oh, my God. Well, two things. Oh, my God is sort of point zero. Point one is this doesn't feel like it's working. And then point two is usually, I must be doing this wrong or I have a bad idea and I should be writing a different book. Oh. And so I, I like to talk about this process yes. a lot because I think people should know, no, it's normal. this is just part of the process. I actually asked um, 
a mentor of mine, Simon Van Bui, who's a writer, and he said, oh, yeah, the thing about writing, he has a really beautiful English accent, which I can't do, but just imagine it. Um, <laughs> it's very helpful when I talk to him about this. And he said the thing about it is that like 90% of the time, it's not working. So that's just okay. And also, I think that's why many writers drink. <laughs> so I was really helped by that because I felt like, okay, this isn't my fault. It's just the way the book comes together. And whenever anyone has told me that they've had this moment, I just think we need to document them. That's why I wanted to say it again to the whole room here, because I imagine I can look around and see a lot of you are creatives. It's not limited to writing. It's not limited to writing. You can have the best idea for a painting and get three quarters of the way into it, and then it just goes, you're like, oh my God, what am I, an idiot? This is terrible, this is failing. It's true for anything you're doing that's creative, and when you really own it, that way when you get there, and it will always feel horrible. That I can't take away from you. I can't take that away from you. It, will, it was a bad day for me. It feels horrible. But when you have the intelligence to go like, but it's part of the process to get it to the final thing. You just, you're like, okay, I'll just take a walk. I'll go leave it for two days. I'll go have a coffee. You, you can, as an adult, you can handle it and be like, it's part of the creative process. Is that there's going to come a day where you think, it's terrible language, but this is generally what, I'm shit, I'm terrible, this is a terrible idea, I've just wasted all this time. Like you, like you said, all those things. And none of that is true. None of that is true. It's just, it, it's awkward adolescent phase, and you've got to get it to the prom. That's it. <laughs> yeah, you just got to get that book to the prom. And be okay with it in this awkward adolescent phase. It's just like, we all go through it. Yeah. And I think that there's a certain amount of emotion that needs to be processed in the in you know the course of writing a book. Which brings me to another thing I wanted to ask you about, which is, you know, these are not kind of light themes in this book. This book, this book is, while it doesn't, it's not like, I read it in like three days. I just tore right through it. It was, it's not, it's, it was interesting to me because it's not a, like a, you know, a suspense novel that you pick up in the airport and you think, oh, I'm going to tear right through it. But this one, I just like, I couldn't put it down. And so, and that, to me, because the emotional resonance was really there, and I felt like these are real people, and I want to know what happens. But also, one of them has a terminal illness, and you know up front that it's, it's not a good one. It's not like somebody's going to show up and say, oh, we're all going to be fine at the end. And I'm wondering, how did you take care of yourself in the course of writing difficult scenes you know, where people are in hospice and, and all of these kinds of things that come up, that's, you know, that's intense emotional material to take in. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how you dealt with that for yourself and going through the writing process. Um, I took it as a really good sign. I'm not someone who cries much. I took it as a really good sign. There were a couple scenes that I wrote when I wrote them. I absolutely burst into tears and I was like, wow, like, good. <laughs> this is great. Um, yeah, I'm a very light person. I really am. So I found it hilarious that these are like like B's whole like angst. I don't know the German phrase, but like that angst and strom of like, you know, they've killed the mother and you know, the whole patriarchy and all that. It's just her her heaviness. I was just sort of like, wow, look at that. And Mona's too. I'm just not. So I, I, I just, I think I was more delighted by it. More just of like, that's so cool. Um, because it's so just not me. And I, yeah, I'm, I don't know how to answer that question because I really am just not a very emotional person. I'm just not. I'm a little bit, I'm a writer. I observe emotions. I'm very clinical. I'm like, is that jealousy we're feeling? Is that, you know, what is, what is that going on there? I like to look and observe feelings. I don't personally actually like to feel them. So I just generally don't. And so in writing the book, like when I burst into tears, it was literally like, what's just happened there? Oh my God, I'm crying. You know, it was really like that, which makes me sound like an alien, but I'm a little bit of an alien. I'm not, I'm just not a very emotional creature. So I guess it felt good to cry and be cathartic and um was I really there were there were some sad things in there that were sad 
there were sad, but there were some really hopeful things in there too. So um, I don't know. It just felt like life. It just felt like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm feeling like I'm failing here on answering the question. I don't know that it, it, it was the happiest time of my life writing that book. That's all I can tell you is I couldn't wait to get back into it. When it finished, I really missed it, and I was just like, I'm ready to do another book because that was so fun. That was so fun. I, like, I had always wondered, because I had said all my life, oh, I'm a writer, oh, I'm a writer, but I was always doing other jobs. I was a teacher. I worked in an engineering manufacturing company. I wasn't a writer. I mean, I wrote every day, but I wasn't a published author writer. So there was this question in my head of like, well, if push came to shove and you had three months to write, would you really like writing or is it just an idea you think you're a writer? And so one of the most joyous things for me was to be like, no, this is all I want to do all day long. Like, I love this. And that was the biggest emotional takeaway of writing the book for me was like, I love the actual act of writing. Yeah. 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 I think sometimes if there's an idea like pushing you from behind, the the satisfaction of putting it down outweighs it. And it's not to say like this book didn't dwell in the difficult themes that came up. Like it did not feel to me like a book that was wallowing, nor did I feel like I was, you know, dragging myself around from reading it. What was your emotional response to reading it? It just was really fascinating to me. I was fascinated by the characters. I mean, I studied psychology, so I was like, oh, how interesting. Like, the mother made these choices, and then she has two daughters, but they're both so different, and how does that work? So I definitely was interested in it, but yet I could imagine thinking about some of the themes could feel heavy, but the book itself doesn't feel heavy. So I'm not surprised that you didn't feel that way. It's an interesting thing, like, having been in situations where there is a chronic or a scary illness situation, there is this bizarre parallel of this increased awareness of the preciousness of life. And then also it it sort of focuses everything down to the present. And so I felt like that was really there. Um, Oh, yes. Yeah. So I think I can understand why that was your experience. Yeah. Because we only have this moment. Yeah, exactly. So I want to see if anybody else has questions they're wanting to ask, if anyone is feeling brave. We do have this microphone over here. Um, We have a very long cord, so if you don't want to come all the way up, we can send it back to you. Um, But I want to give us some time to have, you know, a conversation a little bit, since all of you nice people are here. Um, Almost answer to my question but I'm going to ask anyway so there was two parts in the book that um, really touched me and I'm a bit like you kind of like you know not too emotional and um, I just wondered when you were writing them how it made you feel but they might not be the two parts that it made you feel like you did Um, so shall I tell you which ones they are please they are um the toast to Henry. <laughs> it's just like, oh. That was the one. Yeah. If, if I read it right now, it would take me down. I know. It would take me down. Yeah. And um, when um, Nona said she lied, I was just like, you know, when what? Who Nona said? said she lied just uh, a few um, pages afterwards, and she really did want to be there. Oh, and it was just like, you know, that was just sweet. I love. Oh, I love knowing that. See, that that's so helpful for me to know the pieces that that connect with you. I love that. Um, there's no way I would know that. It 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 didn't have that resonance for me, but I love knowing it yeah. did because it. it it encourages me to just put the, th- the sentences down as they come and not take them out because that's a sentence I was like, does that sound hokey? Yeah. Like that sentence, I literally was like, does that sound hokey? Should I take that sentence out? Yeah. And so I'm so glad I didn't. So thank you for telling me that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the one did make me cry, though. Oh, the Henry Toast. Right now, I have to sort of put it yeah. out of my head or I will start to cry right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> remember, I'm not emotional at all. <laughs> <laughs> the I'm truth not, comes out. I'm not 
Um, I'm curious to know more about your how you said the book just kind of came to you. I know, and you know, and I've I, that reminds me of in Big Magic when Elizabeth Gilbert talks about these ideas that are just out there and they're chasing you, and you just you know they just need to come through you or they'll go to someone else. So I'm curious if you could talk more about like what is that experience like? Like how does that show up for you that you know there's something this idea there that wants to come out. This always happens in all honesty. Like I, I have ideas all the time creatively. I think the difference with this one was um, it was really strong and it was a novel. And I just, like I said, I just felt like that's going to break my heart. I don't want to write a novel. It's just, um, I just didn't want to go down that path. I didn't want to have that experience. So when the pieces come in, I don't know how else to say it except like I get it all the time. Like I have, I have like ideas for different things all the time. And as a writer, I'm all like every single experience that has any kind of tweak to it, I'll run it through a filter of like, could that be a short story? Could that be this? You know, like, um, yeah, I just do it all the time. So I, I will tell you this particular one, I haven't lived through this particular kind of experience. And I thought, well, that was really, really cool. And so remember, I finished writing in December. And then from December to March, I was working with editor friends and like revamping and working with the graphic designer. So I was working on a very different level. I wasn't creating. I was like, You've got your you've got your squid in the suit. Now you're putting on lipstick, and you know, like, so it's a very very different process. The book exists, and so I was in Seattle visiting a friend, and I, I don't know what it is with bedrooms. I'm telling you, I don't know what it is. This is new and different. I hope it stays this way for a very long time. But I'm in the bedroom of my friends. Uh, it's like one of her kids who's grown up and left, and. Um, I wake up and I had the next novel come in, like the one that I'm working on now. And it was the same thing. I got like two pieces, but this time I just went, oh, I'll write that. Yes, I'll write that. <laughs> but it was March and I knew I couldn't get to it until summer or even like now. What's now? October. Yeah. Like I knew I was writing this book. I have this company that I do work for. And it just was like, I just knew everything that was ahead of me. That it was like, I'm not going to have those big hours to write. But just so you know, I'm, I'm coming for you. Like, I will write this. So that when any, I got notes and things, I was keeping them. Um, and they were pretty few and far between. But right now, they've been rolling. So, like, I'm very, like, I don't want to write this. But it came the same way. It was the same exact thing where I just was, like, sitting, looking, and all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, I, I, don't, know how to, I don't know how to say it. I, I do think... For all of us in different ways, whether it's creative or whether it's life path choices or decisions, like if you stay open and quiet and you keep your mind just a little bit quiet from got to run, got to go, got to do the, like if you just stay a little bit quiet, like things will come in. That's been my experience anyway. I don't know. Does that happen for you at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. No, that's really, but I just, that whole idea of, you know, I get lots of ideas, but knowing that it's that one that keeps coming back that's like calling to you i just it definitely had really it neat. definitely had a yeah. little bit of heat to it yeah. it definitely had some heat to it. the the thing between the sisters was there energetically mm -hmm. i just didn't know what it was so this is a funny little question the book is about a mother and two daughters but i'm just curious that we're all women in this room mm -hmm. is there, now why is that oh, i beg your pardon so <laughs> <laughs> there is one i mean when i come to other events here we're, we're a good mix of men and women but i'm just curious as to why so female dominated is, is there because you've invited particular people and they happen to be women or no we put it out on everything my followers tend to be female for squam art workshops Suzanne, I can't speak for, but she's been putting it on her newsletter. And Caroline's Secret Podcast has a wide following as well. Yeah, I think we have men and women, but maybe the men are just really shy. <laughs> I will tell you, I, had, I met a man and his wife um, when I was doing the book tour out in Portland, Oregon in September. And so we were on the little trolley. It was just the three of us on a little trolley to the, from the airport to the hotel. And he said, oh, and they were very lovely and chatting me up. And so why are you here? And I just really was a little tired and I just didn't have the means to create anything. So I just sort of said, 
I'm on a book tour. And um, they said, oh, you know, tell us about your book. And so I was telling them about the book. He's, and he's a retired police officer. Um, and he said, I love to read. I love spy thrillers. And I love this genre. And I just said, it's about a mother and two daughters. And you probably won't like it. But he wanted all the information. So he wrote it all down. He ended up buying the book. And then he wrote me the most sensational email review that's up on the website where he just couldn't put it down and he thought it was he said it's it's not a murder mystery but he's like it's a thriller you know <laughs> okay but so that's a male response to the book but in general um i would say my sphere of influence just doesn't have a lot of men very few men come to squamart workshops i don't know why that is except i was told by two men that men don't gather like, men like to travel in packs of four, whereas women are like, we'll come to a circle, like, by themselves. It's like, I'll just show up by myself. That's fine. Um, but we do have a, a male in the good. room who might be able to speak to this good, question. Good, good. <laughs> but he is here with his mom. So. <laughs> it might be more about the dinner after the event. Uh, it probably is a book that maybe would appeal more generally to women because yeah. of that theme. Anyway, I just thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Well, it brings up a really interesting question for me because when I was growing up, all the books, remember I, I loved to write from forever. I was going to be a writer since I was a kid. So in, in junior high, in high school, in college, I was reading. I was studying literature. All my degrees are in literature and la, la, la. It was all male white writers. That was the, those were the books. I didn't read a female author until I was on a writing um, scholarship as a 16-year-old or 17-year-old, and it was for six weeks. And I was introduced to Kate Chopin, Willa Cather, and like it was just like, oh, there, it just wasn't there. And so I think women are very easily adapted to reading um, male-focused books, but I don't know that men are as easily adapted to reading female-focused books. And anyone listening to this at home, feel free to send me a very hateful email and correct me. <laughs> but that's uh, it's a question for me because I read it and I'm like, well, yes, it's two sisters, but it could be two brothers. It could be two cousins. It could be you and your neighbor. It's the same. It's two human beings. So um, I just wonder. But then I have my retired police officer. So <laughs> he liked it. Um, I was just wondering, you said you write every day. Is that work? Um, is that just short stories, little ideas, journals? Do you just do a whole variety of just let it out kind of thing? Journal. I, my journaling is what I do every day. But um, in terms of like when I think about writing this novel that I'm working on right now, that's like a secondary writing or that's a, that's a different writing. <clears throat> so when I say I write every day, it's, it's journaling. Yeah, so you, just, but you're kind of still getting your like creative, like sort of juices yeah, flowing, words it, coming out. Yeah, practice. it's just always been my way of processing the world. Always, like just the way I process events or people or experiences. I just, I just have to write. I have to write it all out. It's how I figure out what's going on, um, and I do think it contributes a lot to the quiet mind that I have because then it's out of my head. I think of it as like, you know, if you have a pool and you're clearing the pool, it's like with the big net, you're like taking all the leaves and the trees. That's kind of what my journaling is. It's just like, get it all out of my head. And then I walk around, I'm like, oh, look at that. <laughs> Thank you. So I have a half factoid and then a question that's maybe for both of you. Mm -hmm. The half factoid is in New Zealand, they've now got the female reviewed author stats across all publications up to 50%. It was in this week's, um, what's the free publication they give out? Yes. So you can even look it up online to get the whole factoid. Uh, <laughs> the question is kind of for both of you with a psychology background. And as you were saying, you loved writing the story and it kind of inhabited you. I was wondering how much of your writing experience is you being able to let out bits of you or embody bits of you that just, quote, quote, aren't your personality, and then that's you living an alternate life. Mm, I love this. Do you want to take it first? Yeah, I can take it first. I think, I think that's true on a certain level, although I'm not thinking about that when I'm writing. I'm sure that's happening, and there's a certain permission when you're writing fiction that you get to say, well, 
you know, a friend of mine who's a writer said she had this tweet. Um, she said, well, it's I'm writing a novel and I can do whatever I want. And so there is something nice about you're going along in your world and you can say, okay, well, maybe they're going to go over here. Maybe they're going to do that. So there is a tremendous amount of freedom. And of course, the things that I would consider them doing or that would occur to me to do are coming from what I consider to be possible in that world and who I think this character is. And then it's sort of later when editing, I think, well, would they do that? Would they not do that? But I mean, I'm the one who's deciding if they would do that or not. And it's sort of my relationship to who they are. So I'm sure on some level that's happening, but I think kind of like what Elizabeth said, I'm sure that'll be clearer once, you know, the book is in print and I go back six months later and read it and go, oh, wow, I had no idea that was going on. Because you're just thinking about, it's like driving with the headlights. You know, you're just trying to keep the story moving forward as far as you can see and get as far as you can um, in a way that makes sense. I mean, if it's a, you know, if it's a family drama, you're not going to have a space invasion halfway through, um, probably unless you're like Quentin Tarantino or something. <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, it has to be cohesive. But I think that the, the things that seem possible to you as the writer are always going to come from your unconscious. And I think that is really fascinating and satisfying. Yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Um, I was listening so much, so I wasn't thinking, so I have to go back in. Um, psychology, I definitely agree that I can't analyze what I'm writing when I'm writing. Just like if you're painting or making, if you're, like, if you're in a critical editorial mode, you're not in the flow of the creative. So when I'm writing, I'm not analyzing. Um, I, can see all, I, can, I can put on my literary criticism hat afterwards and like read it all, but I'm not doing that there. Um, I do think human beings are multidimensional, I think we don't even begin to tap into that at all. And I think um, it's interesting to me when in one of the events I've had like this, someone has asked me like, oh, so are you B, which is like the more positive character in the book. And I was like, oh, I'm all the characters in the book. Like, I can't write a total asshole unless I can tap into that, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't work that way. I don't get to be just one of them. Like all of them are all of us. So I feel that I tap into that kind of subconscious, did you say unconscious or subconscious? Probably both. Like that deep thing that connects us all as human beings. I think if we're really doing it, we tap into that place and those things that connect us. Because for me, if I had to like boil this all down into the theme for me, someone else would read this book and have a totally different theme. Um, I've always had a really hard time with people saying like, you know, Northern Ireland and the other part of Ireland, why are they fighting in Iraq and Iran and why are they fighting? And, you know, and I'm just like, well, do you get along with your sister? Do you like, if you think that's a different energy, it's not, you know, that sense of like, if we can't get along with the people who are right there in front of us, do not be surprised when it's that. So I, I, that, and that's been the piece my entire life that I haven't figured out is like, how can we understand each other better and understand that we are connected? And so all of these characters in this book and any book are all pieces of me and of you. And, and, and that's how I sort of feel about it. So in terms of me personally, this incarnation of Elizabeth de Vivier, um, I think the pieces that come through in that book that I can go like, oh, I know where that came from, are much more the set and stage of the book. I can't write about growing up in Tanzania because I have never been. But I can talk about Wellesley, Massachusetts. I can talk about Providence, Rhode Island. I can talk about Montreal. Like I can put things there. Um, and I have two sisters and two brothers and parents grew up in that situation. So I understand sibling, you know, so I can write from those places, but I can tell you that my brothers and sisters are not in that book. They're just not, that's not who they are. There's no semblance of them there. Um, so, but I really like that question. And I think for me, when I studied literature, that was the interesting piece is how can we learn and grow from literature? Like it's it just like theater, like when it's good, when art is good, it's helping us understand how we show up in the world and teach us and learn us and shows us things that we see in ourselves. It's like, oh, I guess that is kind of me. I better work on that. I don't know. So, yeah. Does that respond at all to what you were asking about? Yeah, it's super. Thank you. 
I'm not a very linear thinker. I'm not sure if you noticed that. I enjoyed the journey. Okay, thank you. Anyone else comments? Or, yeah. Um, so about the idea and the way that the idea comes to life through you. Um, I'm curious if a story that's tapping on your shoulder has the same sort of life span once it's out in the world and it's in a book is it now is it done is it complete you've birthed it it's gone it's it's going off on its own way and you, your job is done do you continue to relate to other books that you're doing in the same way and does your what I mean is like the ones that you described as heartbreaks did they die were mm. they ideas that you had to walk away from could you revivify them? That's, I, that one I don't know because I haven't touched them. Um, this has been such a positive experience. I'm going to give myself a couple more books. I want to write, finish this one I'm working on. I really do want to write that memoir piece. Memoir sounds weird. Like, like, what are you? But it's like, it's, that's straight up nonfiction kind of reflecting on things that actually happened in my life. So memoir is the best word for it. I want to write those. And then I think I'd be ready to pull those others off the shelf and kind of look at them and see if like, no, they were part of the journey but they're, they're not going to go out into the world. And that's the way they should have been. Or I could look at them and be like, oh, let's get you cleaned up. You know, I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. Um, and then the other thing with this book, Stories from My Sister, it really is done in a perfect way. I self-published it by, by choice. Um, in a perfect world, I would be able to send the book off to the printers and like not have to do, you're all lovely and I love meeting you and this is great. But like in a perfect world, that part of the promotion and the marketing um, and the keeping it alive, like I'm, I'm way done. Like in June when I read it cover to cover, I was done. Like, okay, that was a good book. Okay, now I want to go on to this next thing. Um, and then the only other question that's sort of come up is some people have really attached to the character. And they're like, so what's Janet next? And I said, I don't know. And they're like, well, what's Beat? I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, how do you not know? I'm like, if I let my mind go there, I'm going to start writing another book. So it's like, I am literally like not letting my mind go spend time with them because I don't want to write that book right now or ever. But I don't, I don't know anything more than you do when it ends. I, I truly don't. It's like, I don't know what she's doing. I'd have to sit down and write to find out. So if that makes okay. sense. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Great question. Yeah. Um, two things. First thing, uh, I want to say thank you because um, it's one of the first books I've read or something creative where um, dying hasn't been romanticised. Um, I used to be a hospice doctor and I used to get, you'd see things and it was all terms of endearment and everything was just lovely and everybody was getting along fine. And actually my experience professionally was that actually these difficult times often mean that people don't behave as well as they would. They get irritated, you know. And I really thank you for that because I think it's uh, a difficult thing to do. Um, second thing is just about uh, there's a little um, reference to Kurt Vonnegut and I've only read one of his books and that was Cat's Cradle. And in that he talks about um, this idea of uh, you have a kind of group of people who are anywhere in the world who you're connected to spiritually and I don't know whether that was a sort of theme in the book or the different people that these characters met and who influenced them. Was that something you did consciously? Because it was really, um, I found that really sort of uh, important for me in terms of the theme for the book. Oh, I love that. No, if that's there, that's <laughs> someone way better than me. And now I need to read Cat's Cradle because I love that. I love Kurt Vonnegut in spirit. I can't say I've read a lot of his work. I've read lots of quotes by him that makes me think he's a great guy. Um, it's not true. I mean, I've, read, I've read some of it. But I haven't read Cat's Cradle, and now I want to because I love that concept. Yeah. I, I wrote it down, actually, before I came. So it's, there's something called your Karas, which is a network or group of people who are linked spiritually. Ooh. And, and now all those different people that the characters met, I just thought... You know, changed each character, Mr. Tam Professor Tamamoto. That, you know. I thought it was really interesting that there were two very significant people in B's life who were both Japanese. Mm. I mean, what are the odds? But that was like Setsuko, her best friend, mm -hmm. and you know, and, and Mr. Tamamoto, who was basically a father figure mm -hmm. for her. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, yeah, like, but I, I don't like. 
like totally separate from tonight in the book. And I'm like, I'm really keen on that because that idea makes me feel good. Um, that there's a Charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. Charis, K-A-R-A-S-S. And I read it when I was 18. Ooh. And I, actually, I think it's a real joy of being human because being human is quite difficult. But, but to know that you're, to connected, know that you're connected and they people. may not be in your town, no. which is what Squam has been well, for me, yeah. which is another, yeah. I think you're so. my Charis. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, you're my Charis. Well, thank you. That's so cool. Yeah, and I really appreciate the hospice thing because if there was something I felt daunting in a place where I did step back and step out was writing the scenes that um, where Mona's in hospice. She's dying, and she has pancreatic cancer, and that's what's happening. And um, I haven't had that experience. I haven't lived through that experience. I've certainly lost people. I've certainly been in hospice situations, but the level of what I wrote there isn't my experience, and so... Um, you are the second person who has had direct hospice experience who gave me that feedback, and that is a relief. That's a relief to me because um, there's no way I could know if I was getting it right or wrong, and that was very much more of the imaginary, imaginative writing where I was making it up. So, um, so I'm glad to know that felt authentic. Yeah. I think we have time for one more question. Or comment, or, or any comment, or share. Or Maybe this brought anything. something to your mind that you'd want to share with the group. Anything. <laughs> okay, that's oh, fine. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed reading it. I read it in two days. Whoa! Uh, and um, I just love the characters. You know, they, they wouldn't be people that I'd probably be friends with. But I thought it was really interesting to just have such different characters and sisters. Did you like the mother? No. <laughs> <laughs> I liked B. I liked B. <laughs> but you know, she kind of like had a bit of a darker side as well. So, but yes, just want to say thank you for watching. Oh, thank it. you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I've got a question. Oh. Dark horse comes from back. Just one more question. In the book, obviously, the two main characters are women. And I'm wondering if in your next book, one of the main characters will be a man. Not yet. No, because because when I think about writing fiction, I know that I'd want to mainly write about women. And I like reading women, you know, women authors. So I'm thinking, what would it be like to write about a man and inhabit a male character? Yeah. What would that be like? So would you consider, or has that been coming in that, I've never, ever written a male character, like, outside of, like, a... There are male characters in this book um, in that dominant, really understanding from their point of view way. Um, This current book has male characters as well, but it's not the people we're following. Um, Again, it's two women, but it's completely different situations. They're not related. Um... So if the question is, would I be called to do that? I, in this moment, I would say I'd feel really uncomfortable doing that. I don't think, um, and it's so funny because it's like you're here and you're beautiful. We were just talking for ages. And I do have two brothers and we're super tight. But I will say I don't know that I understand the male brain. I don't understand the male mind. I worked with engineers. I worked in a very, very male environment for seven years, um, it was an engineering manufacturing company, and I, and I was with mostly men, and I did, it was great, like, but I can't say that I understand their life experience, so I don't know that I could, is how I feel, which is weird, because I feel like, well, why not? They're just like me, except I don't know if that's true or not. And I guess right now, the stories that I have that are kind of piled up, um, they're just coming out of the female perspective that are stories I feel like haven't been told enough or told at all. And I want those stories out in the world for me or for somebody. Just like, feel like, yeah. So, long I, answer short. I absolutely time, no, agree. Yeah. 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 Absolutely agree. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for coming. It's been lovely to have you here to record this live. It's nice to have such wonderful questions. And Elizabeth has a few books left. So I think we will move on to signing. Thank you so much for listening to the Secret Library podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. 
You can keep the conversation going by leaving a comment in the show notes at secretlibrarypodcast.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash secretlibrarypodcast. You can also connect directly with me on Twitter or Instagram where I'm Caro Donahue. That's at C-A-R-O-D-O-N-A-H-U-E. I look forward to chatting with you there. See you next week. Until then, happy writing.